Radio City Rockettes presents I Love This Game. A movie. Claire, Claire, Claire. Claire. Banana. Banana. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Ah! <laughs> Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Right on the cowboy! People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China, we love no plan here. Oh man, oh, man. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, it's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? Bye! So we are continuing our rewatch of the 1994 NBA Eastern Conference semifinals between the Knicks and the Bulls. Um, in our previous right. episode, Ben, we revisited games one and two of the series. One and three, Chris. Oh, one and three. One and three. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, ben, quick check in. How you guys doing? How you guys holding up over there at your your in laws? Everyone still feeling okay mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all that stuff. E- yeah, knock on wood, we are all still healthy up here uh, in Connecticut, uh, sheltering very responsibly. Um, I continue to make extremely uh, paranoid and <laughs> nerve-wracking trips to the grocery store. Um, I am observing uh, more and more personal protective uh, equipment mm-hmm. um, each time I go, which is a very weird and unnerving um, uh sort of experience like the first week we were up here it was like you know you'd see a couple people with like gloves and then the next time i went it was like okay like half the people have gloves next time pretty much everyone's got gloves see a couple face masks this past time it's like okay like half the people have face masks now i'm thinking like i need a face mask um yeah i've already been wearing gloves it's like yeah it's really crazy to just like watch it progress in real time um and I mean, I'm just really fucking lucky and fortunate and blessed to have that be the extent of my experience and observation of this horrible, horrible uh, thing that is happening um, and getting worse and worse and worse every single day. Um, so, yeah, but we are, yeah, knock on wood, we're still all good up here. Today okay. I was running around like a maniac in the backyard uh, <laughs> with, with grandma. Great. Um, and we are keeping things together here. We're keeping it afloat. Um, uh, and as far as, you know, mentally, emotionally, um, this is, this is why we pod, Chris. This is why (laughs) we are on the journey that we are on together. Um, uh, a lot of people have said that, uh, you know, nostalgia can be sort of a disease. It can be, uh, unproductive, um, but uh, you know what? At, at times like these, uh, thank God, thank God for nostalgia, thank God for the ability to um, to go back to a simpler time yeah, uh, for if if but a a brief period of your day. Um, I have to say, like watching these games has been you know the, like the best time of my quarantine. Um, yeah, it's been nothing short of literally therapeutic. Yeah, it's um, been so great. It's been so great. And, 
again, I have no idea what the reaction to these episodes uh, I can't has, has been for our listeners. Yeah. I don't really care. Uh, I'm sorry to anyone um, who is listening. Um, if there are any of you left, but uh, we're 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 doing this for ourselves. Yes, uh, that that has has been made abundantly clear. All right, Ben. Well, let's set the stage here. So we are uh, the series between the Knicks and the Bulls. Uh, this is right. the Eastern Conference semifinals. The series is now the year. Tied. The year is 1994. If you need a quick catch up, you can go back and listen to our previous two episodes during which we discuss Game One and then Game Three. So yes. we're skipping ahead now. To game five. Yep. I mean, listen, in an ideal world, um, we would go through every single game. And who knows, at some point we may <laughs> we may start we may start that. But we're trying to stick to um, you know, just the absolute classics. And I mean, you know, game one was of course the infamous uh Ben young eleven year old Ben Craw right. and his mother um, almost not getting into the game. I hear my father's voice yelling, Moira, Moira. Everyone remembers that one uh, from history. Game three, of course, was the Scottie Pippen benching, self-benching, Tony Kukoc buzzer beater. Kukoc for the win! And it turns out game five, Chris, is is also remembered for something uh, pretty... Infamous. Yeah, pretty historic. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, the series is tied two games to two. We have come back now to Madison Square Garden. We are back in New York City. Ben, the date is May 18th, 1994. It has come down to a best of three series. Who will get the upper hand tonight at Madison Square Garden in New York? Number two seed New York Knicks are hosting the number three seed Chicago Bulls at Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball in New York City. Um, Ben, this game was on TNT Sports. Uh, The commentators are Ron Thulin and Hubie Brown. And our old friends, Ron yep. Thulin and Hubie Brown. Um, however, it was also broadcast on MSG, which okay. is something right. I didn't realize until later, which we'll, we'll kind of discuss yes. why that's important. So let's, let's uh, approach this like we have the last couple of podcasts. Any sort of big picture observations and then sort of hop into some of the specifics quarter by quarter. But how is watching or rewatching this game um, any different from your experience with games three and game and games one i mean we've kind of touched on this before chris but um the thought that kept coming back into my mind watching this one is just how enjoyable these games are yeah and i know that might not be a popular take um and i know that i am (laughs) coming at this from a very biased and childhood nostalgia poisoned uh perspective but these games are extremely entertaining. They are so f- everything, every single moment, every single position is so fraught, so tense. Um, I mean, the obviously the style of basketball is radically different from yeah. from what we you know what we watch in the year twenty twenty. But like, I didn't find myself being like, oh, this is boring, or like, oh, there's not enough threes being taken, or like, oh, no. the spacing. Like, there's still really, really interesting and exciting basketball being played. Like, the, you know, obviously there's way more physicality, but there's still, like, incredible feats of athleticism and agility and grace and, like, and and just, like, interesting passes. Like, the you know, the, the spacing is, is all different, but, like, in some ways it creates a, a sort of a more unpredictable offense you know like like everything is kind of jumbled and and free-flowing and yeah there are like set plays that are run um 
but it's sort of a lot, I don't know, it, it feels a little more uh, unpredictable and, and kind of chaotic um, than, than modern basketball. And of course, that's also just the nature of the of the teams playing, the styles of defense, the you know the the, the playoff stakes, uh, everything. Um, so I don't know. I just that was that was like my my big take is just like God, this is great. This is this is fucking exciting, awesome basketball. Yeah. One one observation that I had about this game, and we saw it in games one and three, especially game one, but uh, here in game five was just the idea that. There were streaks. I mean, you just saw both teams oh, yeah. go on these like periods of long runs. You know, you, you had droughts, um, players like not being able to to score the basket, uh, to, to to score a basket, or or other teams like getting hot. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just like a lot of momentum swings. Uh, and I, mm, you know, I, I know that's not necessarily unique to 1994, but you know, to your point about these games are incredibly entertaining and rewatchable. I think part of it is that for me is just seeing like, wow, Patrick really can't hit a shot right now, man. Like he can't throw mm-hmm. in the ocean or like, geez, look at Scottie Pippen. He's like on the opposing team's court and he's just lighting it up or, you know, or, and, 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 uh, to your point about the, the intensity, you know, like the crowds were just so on the edge of their seat. It just felt so anxious and important. And, um, yeah, it's just an incredibly fun rewatch. So just to uh, echo that point, um, regardless yeah. of kind of like the spacing or the style of play. I mean, I'm sure that if you watch like a regular season game, you know, from 94, it'd be like, okay, yeah. this is kind of dull, whatever. Right. But yeah, this stuff, like, God, I, I, I can't get enough. And uh, luckily, we have plenty of it to uh, to, to, to rewatch and yeah. recap here. And I, I, I on wanted this. to say one, one more thing I was thinking about this morning was like, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I know we're so deeply invested in the Knicks. And so part of rewatching this and, and, and the fun of rewatching this is that there are these like deep seated personal rooting interests involved. But I also do think that it would be very entertaining, you know, maybe not quite as entertaining, but still probably pretty entertaining to watch other great teams and other great matchups from this period of time. Um, just because like there's a certain level of intensity and I, I don't know, do you, do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, here's the good news, Chris. We have, uh, I think we have a pretty substantial block of time, <laughs> yeah. uh, in front of us. So we may find out after we're, <laughs> after we're done with the 94 Knicks, we can turn to yeah. the 94 Denver Nuggets, sure. or like, uh, perhaps, or the '93 the Suns. How are the or, Suns playing in '93? Yeah, like, what, what are the pick Sonics a year, like pick a team. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of basketball yeah. that has been played uh, in the past 30 years. So it's nice to to know that we have. Uh, I think we're gonna have some options. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, but right now we are very focused. We yes. are very very locked in here. We yep. are. We are zeroed in. We are not straying far. We are um, inching forward in time, uh, going from Chicago Stadium in Game Three. Of course, the Bulls win Game Four um, pretty handily. I think that was a uh, that was like a twelve point uh, uh, Bulls victory in Game Four. Right. So, of course, after the all the drama and and and. Uh, and and you know theatrics of game of the game three buzzer beater. Everyone's like, oh, it's going to happen in game four with Scotty and and Tony. Um, but but Pippen came out. And he played a good game. He, he scored twenty five points with uh, eight rebounds and six assists, a couple of steals. 
in game four, the Bulls win 94, 95 to 83. So back to the Garden, Series 2-2. It's now a best of three. The, uh, the, the, the Madison Square Garden, you know, in arena uh, hype-up song is, is blaring. The crowd is excited. Um, and, uh, yeah. Let's get into some of the specifics here. So, again, I, I watched this game on TNT, or I rewatched this game via the TNT broadcast. So Ron Thule and Hubie Brown were on the call. And right. just pregame thoughts, um, you know, I got a real soft spot, I got to admit, for Hubie Brown. Neither team playing exceptionally well, but how have the Bulls been able to come back? Well, never mind about coming back. This building is rocking outside $2,000 a ticket. Talking about the Knicks and, and just how hyped he was. And I, I don't know. You know, he was talking about how Greg Anthony was drawing the start for the suspended Derek Harper. Oh, Hubie, Derek Harper will not be playing tonight for the Knicks. He is in game two of a two-game suspension. So Pat Riley has opted to go with the same lineup from game number four. Yeah, and that puts a lot of pressure at the point guard position. Anthony must give them quality 40 minutes of play. He struggled in game four, two for 13 from the field, along with four turnovers. Corey Gaines backing him up, must move the basketball. Now, they're going with Starks and Smith at the two-guard and small forward position. That is their number one lineup. But at small forward, Smith and Mason must dominate and really give Scottie Pippen a problem. Right, so now Harper is still not playing. He's serving the second game of his two-game suspension following the brawl in game three with uh, Jojo English. So Greg Anthony is pretty much the only point guard on the roster besides Corey Gaines, um, who, uh, who who did get some time again in game five. But yeah, Greg Anthony, we're going to have to talk about him. Yo, he, had, Corey he had a pretty... Gaines, Corey Gaines like, was a very impactful part of this series. It's it's wild now. Oh, yeah. Now that like, yeah. we talked about him and I understand the history, it's like... Yeah, his, totally his, his 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 career <laughs> like, history that we that we ran through in uh, last yeah. episode. Dude, he played major minutes, like major important minutes in a critical game in a critical series, and um, yeah, yeah, it was just awesome. Couldn't be more happy for the guy. So yeah, Greg Anthony draws a start. Um, Hubie notes that he struggles in game. He struggled in game four. I think he shot. What was it like? two for 14 something like that uh and greg in game four greg anthony uh shot two of 13 uh yeah including o of two from the line two of six from three-point range uh yeah not great uh six assists four turnovers six points total let's hop into it i guess with quarter one if unless you have any other thoughts from the uh the pregame introductions no let's do it here we go all right, so, I mean, my, my first thought was just coming out of the block, the Knicks looked real aggressive uh, early yeah. offensively, um, you know, especially in the first half of the first quarter at home. I remember that baseball-style pass from Mason to Ewing. Ewing running the floor. He has Meyer. Takes it inside, no problem. Patrick Ewing and the Knicks have not missed a shot. Well, they're off to a great start. And the Knicks start the game shooting five for five. And... Um, mm-hmm. It just was like, oh, wow, everything is going right. You know, everything is going right for the Knicks here. The crowd was absolutely bananas, man. The, the MSG yeah. faithful was roaring. I was going to say in my notes here, they have a, a defense chant that starts like literally in like the first defensive possession of uh, uh, of the game in the first. Um, the crowd is just like, we're going to start this right off the bat. We're not waiting until the second half. It's a roar for the last half out. 
Unbelievable. We're gonna we're gonna get that fourth quarter energy going immediately. Um, yeah, as you said, Ewing came out real aggressive. He started the game five of five. Um, the Knicks as a team shot really well. Um, they start the game on a fifteen to four run, which was really uncharacteristic of them yeah. in that series. Like they were usually you know pretty flat in the first half, as we've uh, mentioned previously. But yeah, they came out real aggressive. Uh, the defense was was uh, was amped up. Um, yeah, Ewing was looking really good. He had a, um, a big block uh, on uh, on Horace Grant. And right after that, like uh, Charles Oakley uh, trying to save the ball, like f- goes flying into the stands. Mm-hmm. Just like takes yep. a ref, takes a ref with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love that. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a high energy uh, first quarter. Um, but then the Bulls kind of climb back into it towards the end of the first. So the Bulls go on just like a furious comeback to finish the quarter. They finish the quarter on a twenty one to seven run. And mm. it's it's pretty much like they just ride the the coattails of Scottie Pippen, who plays really well here in the first quarter. So it's it's really like a tale of two, you know, frankly, like halves of a quarter, like eighth of a game, whatever it is. The first half of the first quarter, the Knicks are just red hot, scorching hot. And then the Bulls just go on a run to to finish out the quarter strong. Um, um, now, should... Chris, <laughs> yes. yeah, I think we were going in the same direction. What were you going to say? Same place. No. Yeah. <laughs> so a uh, a very unique thing about this particular rewatch. Um, so uh, we have to talk about um, a YouTube account mm-hmm. here called Pick and Roll UK. Um, now Pick and Roll UK, I was not familiar with uh, prior to this this little series that we're on here. Um, but this is a uh, uh, I, I assume a British um, YouTube account user. Um, who just has, like, a shitload of old basketball games. Um, I mean, I'm trying to, like, look through. I don't even know how many. He has a lot of, or he or she has a lot of games um, in this YouTube account, uh, like, full games. Really incredible. I don't know if we watched, if it was this account that we used for the first two games. No, I think Um, it was, like, Alex AG or something. AR or something. Gotcha. Yes. So the unique thing about this account, uh, uh, unique that is from the other two games that we've watched, is that for this um, uh, recording, the ads, uh, the time, um, you know, the, the 1994 era ads were still in, were not edited out um, for the game. So not only did we get the full game, game five to rewatch, but we also got the just incredible treasure, the 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 gift of getting to rewatch all of the ads that ran in the original 1990 May uh, whatever it was uh, 18 um, 1994 mm. broadcast of this game, um, which um, really really blew my mind. I mean, I'm a f- I'm a fan of of old advertising in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a fan of nostalgia and like and like watching things from my childhood that I had completely forgotten and having my memory jogged and like it's just like such a cool feeling to be like oh shit that um, but <laughs> this is but yeah we're gonna have to talk about these ads they're they're like at least half my notes of game five yeah. were taken up by I should say folks this is gonna be mostly reactions a, 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 a podcast about commercials um, I have no fewer than nineteen. <laughs> 
ads, commercials, various TV spots that I that I noted that I feel like I am obliged to re- remark upon. So um, why don't we watch? I think we should just both watch the we first probably just, Richard Lewis ad and yeah. Um, and then we can talk about it in, in real time as it's happening. I'm from New York, and nobody plays basketball like they do here. It is Chicago ball. Up to the fold, the sun. Well, I mean, they certainly don't pass like they do in New York. Here comes Golden State. Another great pass. Johnson delivered. Okay. But they definitely don't jam like they do in New York. <laughs> Look out for Miami. So that's the thing about the NBA. It's great everywhere. I love this game. All right. Well, let's talk about New York bagels. Come on. Yeah, man. I I forgot... Um, until recently about the I love this game campaign oh in one of the one of the incredible ad campaigns in history um, there were so many I mean it was it had started in like the 80s I believe is when they they first started doing them or maybe like the late 80s um, but they kept it going for so long um, obviously with like just new versions new ads like every I feel like every month practically there was like a new one that came out yeah um, and they were all so good and just so delightful. It's like such an incredible like celebration of the game, of uh, the culture of like you know like literally like why you love uh, the NBA. Um, and there's an incredible. I'm sure we'll get to it later. But the uh, the New York City Rockets do their uh, so version I of say, I love this game later on. I've discovered I've rediscovered the I love this game campaign because i've been using them the last couple of times in our uh cold opens so that oh, music really? that you've heard in the last couple of weeks are from i love this game campaigns yeah and wow I have, amazing what a reveal i'm very familiar i'm very familiar with the rockets commercial because i just i watched it and i was debating whether to use it for this episode or not so, yeah it's it's uh it's really something else i mean we should probably do an entire episode about i love this game commercials that could yeah, be a sure. draft easily yeah um another episode could and let's be honest probably will at some point be devoted to the commercial oeuvre of a one richard lewis um so now this first uh ad of game five uh, of course this is the, the tnt broadcast um so Richard Lewis is talking is is the star of this I love this game commercial and he's like talking about uh, he's like trying to like talk up New York basketball but then it's clear that like all the other teams that play basketball are also awesome and there's like highlights of uh, all the different players and then at the very end <laughs> he holds up a comically oversized bagel uh, <gasps> New York City style bagel that is way bigger than his head so that his face his entire face can be seen through the whole of the bagel. Um, and I, it's just like a ridiculous, yes. like nineties standup prop type, uh, like moment. Yeah. Um, but as I, um, it's like, I, I, I also want like carrot top to also be doing these commercials or two or something. Yeah. It's like, carrot top could easily, yeah. he, for all I know, he probably wasn't. And I love this game commercial. Um, but yeah, so Richard Lewis, um, we want, I don't want to, you know, again, we'll, we'll have a whole episode for this, but uh, just as a quick teaser, Richard Lewis did some really, really incredible work in the 90s um, for a, uh, a juice box <laughs> company called Boku. I don't know if anyone remembers Boku. Things just did not work out with my last girlfriend. When I was with her, I used to fantasize I was someone else. And she'd make these Freudian slips like, Herman, I mean honeybee. Uh. And when I kissed her, she'd say, okay, okay, I get the point. Then at Valentine's, she sent me a chocolate hatchet. 
No wonder I need a Boku. Boku fruit juice coolers from McCain. All natural flavors, just slightly over the edge. When we broke up, I told her, you hurt me, you mocked me, you embarrassed me. And yet the door is always open. It was, uh, it was juice boxes for adults. Yeah. Um, and Richard Lewis was the star uh, of this uh, advertising campaign that lasted several years for Boku. Um, but yeah, needless to say, he was is an incredible talent. We're going to have to talk about Richard Lewis way more in the future, but um, we should probably uh, move on now to yes. uh, to the rest of this game because we have a lot of other advertisements to get to. <laughs> okay, so, well, one other advertisement that I would like to point out to, uh, as, as we're coming back from quarter one to quarter two is mm-hmm. the advertisement for Brandon Lee in the film The Crow. Oh, yeah. Wait, are we going to skip over the live on Prodigy? Oh, oh yeah, we got to dis- we got to discuss the prodigy. I have at least <laughs> yeah, I yeah, actually have let's two talk prodigy. Let's talk prodigy. Okay, so that's I have, at 22 I have two- minutes, right? <laughs> uh, I have me- two I have two ads I need to talk about before we get to the crow, Chris. Great. <laughs> hey gang, we're live at TNT Sports Studios and this season is shaping up to be one of the most exciting ever. Basketball, hockey, soccer, doesn't get any better than this, right? Well, believe it or not, it does. Because right now, the sports world <laughs> well, is live on Prodigy. In-depth stats, up-to-the-minute scoops, even scores for games in progress. Almost any sport, right at your fingertips. Hey, you keep watching, we'll keep you updated. Just call 1-800-979-LIVE and get Prodigy software plus one month yeah. membership free. The finger point, I mean, we have to talk about the little bumper music, the the alien outer space, like, uh, oh, yeah. futuristic um, bumper music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a, 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 a commercial for Prodigy, which was an internet provider, yes. I guess like AOL. Um, My family back had, when you had Prodigy. To, like, yeah, we were like... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, you were a Prodigy we were, guy. Wow. We were the Prodigy family, yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, we definitely had AOL like on the CDs. Yep. Um, I don't. But so, how did Prodigy work? Was it just a? Um, it gonna, was like a phone company. Yeah, I'm gonna be it, it wasn't like you, CDs, I, right? I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Everything about the that internet. Was, everything about yeah. the internet in the mid '90s was completely so from completely mystifying. Outer, outer yeah. space. It was completely yeah. aliens gave us the internet <laughs> on a CD-ROM. <laughs> you put it into yeah. your computer, said thank you for this alien food, and then you could look at websites and that and that. Yeah. Basically, the idea was like you could go into a chat room, you could go into like a forum, um, you could look at like uh, cbssportsline.com, which was a website that I knew about. Um, you could look at Alta Vista and do a search. And as far as I knew, that's what the internet was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this Prodigy commercial, I guess it's like the thing that's that's kind of crazy about it is that it's not for a website. It's just Prodigy Internet has like a portal where you can get all these sports like scores. It has like a thing with um, scores, schedules, standings, odds. It has odds, which is pretty like crazy. Um, it has East teams, West teams. Like I'm looking at all the tabs uh, in this little screenshot of this like amazing early 90s computer. It was basically um, like they were they were they were um promoting basically the idea that they were like an online encyclopedia maybe. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, right. I but they had like li- it was all like live updates and stuff. So right. it was like pretty pretty impressive actually for 1994. Yeah. Um it you was could like, you could if track there's any piece of information you want that would be cataloged. We have it in our database. Yeah. yeah. We have it all. Um, it's at the, the, the tip of your finger, right. a mouse click away. Um, 
Yeah, Prodigy, uh, amazing. <laughs> I don't know whatever amazing. happened to them. Amazing, yeah. Um, but then the next ad that we have to talk about, and this mm. was maybe one of my favorite ones of of the whole game. Um, before I think it happened right before the crow. Okay, I'll take early memories for five hundred. Hot dog day. Recess on the monkey bar. Teacher's pass. Galaxy. Baseball cards. Five and dimes. Slingshots. Pass. Incredible edible. X-ray specs. Those sea monkeys with the crown. The elbows were brine shrimp. Chemistry sets. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. Easy bake ovens. Beachwood Age Budweiser. Crisp, clean, classic. So good. So good. Yeah. So this is an ad uh, for Budweiser beer, and it is just like three cool bros hanging out in an apartment, um, just like just like pointing out like you know things from the 80s or whatever like uh-huh. from there like it's like the 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 ad starts out the guy says okay i'll take early memories for 500 and they just start like spouting things off uh-huh. um now <laughs> the thing that's amazing about this ad is that it's not just three dudes or is it four i think it's three um it's- one of whom i'm pretty sure is brecken meyer he looked a lot like brecken meyer mm-hmm. um i wasn't able to confirm this in my internet research but i have a feeling it was brecken meyer um but they were all, they're all like, like guys that like, they were, it was like straight out of like reality bites, like just yes. like a bunch of like, you know, like Gen X, like, like dudes kind of with layabouts. like flannels tied around their waist. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like very, very cool, very laid back and like kind of like snarky, um, ironic. Um, but so it's like three dudes hanging out um, after like a long night of like pounding Budweiser. But then there's like one girl who's just walking around the apartment, picking up all the empty beer bottles and putting them away. Just like, like cleaning I don't the trash. <laughs> Yeah, who's like literally just like their maid, yeah. but I guess like a I don't also know if it's extremely attractive. It's like Yeah, okay. obviously a super hot hot babe yeah. um just walking around cleaning up their beer, Unreal. their empty empty beers. Um and it's unclear if she's like just one of their roommates or like maybe one of the three bros is like girlfriend. Right. Um that's not made clear. But she's just like kind of like walking around like cleaning up their mess like as she's listening to them. Um, uh, you know, trade their their early childhood memories, and then at the very end, she's she's she pipes up and she says, "Easy bake ovens," which of course is you know not at all like gendered. Um, <laughs> and immediately their reaction is, "Ew, cooties," and like kind of like you know like yeah. move away, f- like physically distance themselves from her. Um, it's I mean, let's face it, it's it's every man's dream. Yeah. Um being able to just lay around your apartment drinking beers and have a hot babe clean up your, your empties. Um clearly a commercial just fucking written by phenomenal yeah, yeah. <laughs> phenomenal work from Budweiser. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, totally so understanding good. their demographic. All right. Um yeah. should we move on? Oh well, do you want to talk about the crow real quick? I mean, you seem to have some thoughts on the crow, so you yeah, go for it. Yeah, just uh you know, I I never saw this movie, um, and I haven't either, I, which is weird because I feel like a lot. Of, it was a pretty popular movie. I don't. I also have to say, I don't know too many people that did see this movie. Um, but the thing is, I feel like it was one of those movies that you were always you, you knew more about the production of it because it was so infamous. Because right. Yeah. Brandon Lee died on the set of The Crow. That's basically what I know about The Crow is that it's the right. movie where Brandon Lee died and like reading reading now about his death it feels more surreal than it even did as a child like i remember hearing about it as a child and like 
somehow thinking like, I guess that could happen, but now it sounds yeah. absurd. Um, yeah. And if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about really quick, basically there is a stunt in a uh, in this film called The Crow. Brandon Lee is some sort of like martial artist, action hero type guy. Um, you know, like Batman or Superman, whatever it is. And one of the villains in the movie picks up a gun and fires it at his character from a very close range. Uh, it's supposed to be a stunt gun, uh, you know, like stuntman firing like uh, blanks. And there were actual bullets in the gun. And so he was shot from like 10 feet away and died almost instantaneously. And it, it sounds like... How could that? So wait, be was real? there there was a, like an actual bullet, or I thought I I was like uh, so I wasn't, I'm not sure, but I thought there was like maybe like a like a or like an explosive charge or something like yes. that that like went off too too close to him, or was it an actual bullet? So from what I understand is there were like shells that the way that they like created blanks was that they they still had bullet shells, but they right, took right, out, right. they took out some component of it so that the steel projectile wouldn't fire out of the gun, but it would still create the same loud explosive sound and and still visually have that like fire kind of effect that comes out of like the, the tip of the gun. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, that element that was supposed to be removed from the bullet shell was not, or it was defective or something like that. And so when they clicked it, um, it still went off and this projectile, you know, moving at the speed of a bullet killed him, you know, and, uh, it's, it's insane now to hear about it because they continued to make the movie in after his death, his, his fiance and his parents or his mother, uh, agreed that, um, that he would want the movie released. So they, they, they released it like with some like CGI. I think they said like the movie was like 90% complete. Right. And, um, yeah, so they released it. So all I ever knew about this movie was just how infamous and how wild and crazy it was. And then to see... I gotta be honest, that's like at least like 75% of the reason I didn't see it. Because I was just like, that yeah. like sounds like a pretty, real bummer to watch. Pretty absurd. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although I'm so intrigued because it seems like a very cool, like visually yes. interesting movie. Um, you know, yeah, it was I just like... felt sad watching the trailer because it was like very clear to me. It was like, oh, this guy in the mid nineties would have been a huge star and he would have probably, oh, yeah. probably been the, he big... was a huge star. Yeah. Yeah. He would have S- been of course, son of son of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was like totally like on his way up. Yeah. Um, but he would have been like the most famous, probably Asian American movie star, you know, like he was this like hunk of a guy, like he would have been Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, you know, making action movies. And it's just very sad that like, he's, he's gone that we lost him but uh it, yeah it was really interesting seeing the trailer because it does look like a very cool movie and it reminded me a lot of batman just specifically how like dark mm-hmm. and like kind of film noir it looks in a world without justice one man was chosen to protect the innocent and make the wrong things right the critics are unanimous they're calling the crow the best movie of its kind since Batman. Four stars, spectacular and visually mesmerizing. Rolling Stone raves, Brandon Lee is sensational, dazzling and fiercely hypnotic. Brandon Lee, The Crow, rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was like right after, um, you know, Tim Burton did his first two Batman movies. Yeah. Um, and it was like clearly like kind of following that style. Right. 
Um, yeah, this was the same director as that movie uh, Dark City. Do you remember that? Um, from like the late 90s. I don't. Um, Alex Proyas. Um, but uh, yeah, um, very like kind of like music video stylized, right. uh, kind of dark and, and cool looking. Yeah. Um, so I feel like someday uh, I should watch that movie because it's probably like really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah so. But um, yeah. Wow. What a bummer. Um, All right, so moving back into quarter two here. <laughs> moving on. Um, Madison Square Garden. We're at Madison Square Garden. Um, That's right. You know, so at this point, the, uh, the the Bulls are getting right back into it. They start the quarter, and now they're they're up quickly, thirty-one to twenty-eight. MSG. Yeah, we're in the early in the second quarter yep, here. MSG is kind of on pins and needles. All of a sudden, Charles Smith misses two free throws. Uh, Smith misses a pair. During the regular season, can't get him to drop, so the lead remains at five. Everyone in the arena is kind of like on the edge of their seat, feeling like, "Oh no, is this gonna, is this gonna fall apart in front of us?" This was another thing. I love like rewatching these games because there's just, like little kind of like moments where you're like. Uh, like things that you remember but you didn't realize that they were like from this game or that game like for example the Derek Harper brawl um, I had not remembered at all that that was from game three until I watched it Mm -hmm. so then when I watched game five um, so when Anthony Mason checks in to the game uh, early in the second quarter uh, Ron Thulin remarks on the broadcast Anthony Mason coming in a member of the dog pound that's what's on the side of his head and sure enough um now this was like an image that we had that you and i have both seen on the internet um of course uh as part of our research for the uh hair draft um which uh which anthony mason went uh, first overall selection in um there's, uh, you know, there, there's like plenty of images of, of uh, you know, he would always have different things like sh- shaved into the side of his head. But one of my favorites was Dog Pound, um, uh, which is uh, obviously a great uh, West Coast uh, gangster rap duo uh, from the uh, from the early and mid 90s. Um, and uh, also just, you know, a cool sounding uh, phrase. And I guess the name of the Knicks bench unit, which I didn't totally remember either. Wow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this was actually, I don't know if he did it for other games, but it feels like this was like maybe the the game where he debuted the, the dog pound yeah. uh, sh- sh- uh, uh, design on the side of his head. Yes. And um, my God, like, he just looked so fucking cool. We have to just mention that. Like, Anthony Mason, that, like, beautiful, smooth, shaved head with the, with the hair on the side. I mean, yeah, um, we, we talked about Freddie Avila on, in the hair draft. Like, this yeah, is a shouts, guy, to, shouts to Freddie. This is a guy Freddie who would, like, get a custom haircut for every game. And, you know, like, it, it sounds like a silly small thing, but it is kind of like the same way, you know, Dennis Rodman would do stuff with his hair for specific games. It does sort of, like, heighten the importance. It does feel like it ratchets up the intensity that, like, this is someone that was, like, really thinking about this game in a very yeah. specific way, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it totally. It just heightened the stakes. You're like, okay, like, this is... Like, he really thought about yeah, this. Yes, this matters. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, and he also was just, he was playing a great game. Uh, one of the things I noted in my notes um, was that the Bulls are doubling Mason, like almost as soon as he uh, gets the ball in the low post. Yeah. Obviously, they would double Patrick Ewing um, pretty much every time he touched it, but they would also double Mason. Like he was like, he he was too much to handle for one defender, um, right. which uh, which I just thought was like, wow, I yeah, forgot he was, that he was like that much of an offensive threat uh, he along was with like, everything over- else that he did. He was physically overpowering. Moving along here. Taken away by Ewing. He's going to leave 
need to break. Three on two if he hurries. Oh, you know, he all the way. Doesn't get it. Patrick was definitely fouled. Look for the call. He had his shoulder ahead. That nice, nice pass. Longley. Longley. He just feels like the Knicks can't catch a break. Patrick steals the ball from Longley, takes it all the way down the court. Looks like it's going to be a, an open layup. It's contested by Horace Grant. Longley gets the ball back, pitches it up to Kukoc, who finds a streaking Longley, cutting right down the middle. He puts it in, and it, it just feels like the Knicks can't buy a break at that point. Bulls up 35-28 with uh, almost nine minutes left. Yeah, they continue that run. So uh, at one point I have here that uh, the Knicks, the Bulls are on a 29-14 run, uh, going back to 6-30 in the first. Yeah. Um, and it's now about halfway through the second. Right. Uh, so they're, yeah, Knicks have just kind of gone cold. Uh, Ewing, after the hot start, has completely cooled off. And um, however, one guy that uh, I noticed was stepping up as after Ewing kind of like went cold after they, you know, they really started paying a lot more attention to him was Charles, Charles Smith. Smith. Yep, me too. Charles Smith had himself a game. He specifically had himself a first half. Yeah, that um, second quarter, man, he really kept the team afloat. Yeah, he was like pretty much like their go-to offensive option um, for most of the second quarter. And he was like balling. He was like doing like little up and unders for yep. like, layups, doing yep. like power dribbles, uh, pounding it inside, hitting some outside jumpers. Um, and of course, this was like a big redemption game because game five yes. uh, against the Bulls in 93, of course, was the infamous you know, four shots at the rim, point blank range. Um, so and, and I was prepared to talk about this when they play the uh, clip in the third or fourth quarter uh, playoff memories in the fourth quarter. Late mm. in the fourth quarter, TNT plays a segment called Playoff Memories. Let's go back in history. One year, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Knicks were looking to rebound in game five after dropping two games in Chicago, but Charles Smith couldn't connect on four separate attempts. And Chicago stole the game 97-94. Two days later, the Bulls wrapped up the series at home and, of course, went on to win their third straight world title. They show, you know, last year's Knicks-Bulls series, 1993, with Charles Smith missing those four straight layups. Like I said, I, I, I was ready to have this conversation in the fourth, but while we're here, I think we should just have it like... You know, it's funny, man. My immediate reaction watching that this time around with fresh eyes is basically that the Bulls played pretty much like smothering defense. And my memory of that incident, though, was that like Charles Smith had these buffoonish misses that he like really choked under the pressure and he had like a wide open shot and he just couldn't put the ball in the hoop and he like got the yips or something. That wasn't the case at all. He didn't. He didn't miss the layups. No, no, no. He, had, like his shots, he had his shots on top blocked of him. repeatedly because they were playing yeah. smothering defense on him. And like props yeah. props to the Bulls. I, I I think at one point Scottie Pippen blocked him from behind once or twice. Like props to those yep. guys for playing such like great aggressive defense. But it's, it's funny how, um, you know, you create these memories and you create these narratives in your head, especially as a child, how you kind of like scapegoat people. And it, I will say it was completely through the lens of the media, like the the, oh, yeah. the way I remember Charles Smith, frankly, is the way that the New York Post and the Daily News told me to remember Charles Smith. And WFAN. WFAN, all those things. Yep. Yeah. And and so my memory of Charles Smith, the narrative in my head was that he was a choke artist, that he like had... Mm-hmm four wide open layups and just like couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. And that really wasn't the case. And it was really kind of refreshing to rewatch that moment. And then also, like you said, just see him throughout the course of the 
throughout the course of the game. Like, he was a really good player and, frankly, like, carried the Knicks during this lull here in the second quarter. The fact that they even got to the half, you know, in the game, they, they go into the half trailing by one point. It's basically yeah. on the back of Charles Smith. Yeah. Charles Smith was 6 of 10 in the first half for 14 points. <clears throat> John Starks did not score a field goal in the first half. He was 0 of 3, um, but did score some at the line. Uh, Ewing, who started out 5 of 5, um, finished the half uh, shooting 1 of 8. Uh, so he just disappeared in the second quarter. But Charles Smith kept him alive. Yeah, um, specifically what, six minutes left, John Starks throws this absolute bullet, a dagger to Charles Smith. Now you down can. The three is Smith. 37-35. Starks has a wide open three. He pump fakes and oh, yep. throws a dart down low to Charles Charles Smith. Yeah, does the, the does the like, oh, I'm going to shoot a three. Right. Nope. Uh, Pass to wide open Smith for a dunk. Right. Oh, and then so shortly after that, um, uh, Charles Oakley got teed up. Uh, That's right. And why did he get teed up? Because he fucking Kicks. kicked Tony oh, yeah. Kukoc. And, and a technical foul. Very good call. Both referees were right on top of that. Oakley <laughs> man we have to talk about oakley a little bit yeah. um i mean he does this like there are there are moments throughout this game so they're battling um, for an offensive rebound tony kukoc falls to the ground oh, while he's down while kukoc is down oakley gives him a little kick as he's running up the court yeah like i mean it's not like a full-on like no. wind up like kick to the midsection obviously i would but say he... it's like a love tap maybe affection yeah love it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a frustration kick after he got like stripped under the basket there was no call uh, so to sort of, you know, let out his, his frustration, he like kind of kicks at the air and I would say it grazed Kukoc's leg, but the ref was like, oh yeah, you can't, you can't kick people. That's, that's a technical. <laughs> oh man. Um, Just rewatching But man, this. throughout. Yeah. God fucking, uh, Charles Smith really had a game, man. He really had an offensive game. The up and under move. Incredible. Okay. Back. Yeah. That up and under. Yeah. 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 Um, back, back to what you were saying about Oakley. But yeah, so Oakley, like I had, I had later on in my notes, like throughout this game, something that he did repeatedly, um, which I'm sure wasn't unique to this game, he, he did it all the time to everyone, was um, at a at a uh, a dead ball, uh, like after a whistle, if another player uh, on the other team was holding the ball, Oakley would just slap it out of his hands just to like piss them off. Um, and I and I and I, re- I remarked that it was a lot like um, like Rashid Wallace, like he was yeah. such a. Uh, a pro like a precursor to to sheed just like the mind um, in the way yeah yeah and it reminded me so much of the way um like sheed would just do stuff to like piss people off and like kevin garnett how yep. uh garnett's a uh, little like trick of like always um goaltending if, if a player tries to shoot uh a basket after a whistle you know at a, at a dead ball moment he would always goaltend and swat the ball away so that the uh opposing player couldn't see the ball go in the net even yep. though it was you know not, wouldn't count um just like little shit like that where he would just like just get under people's skin and he was just constantly just being like such a jerk and it was yep. so hilarious and endearing he was uh, our jerk. and yeah for sure god he was he was the best um he like wasn't as like like when robin would do that shit it was like okay this guy seems a little like i don't know like unstable Unhinged, um yeah. and clearly like oakley was just doing it to like piss people off uh and it was beautiful yes yeah. yeah um, other stuff from the second quarter. I took notes. Scotty Pippen shooting a insane ninety six percent from the foul line uh, coming into the game tonight. He, uh, wow. he was something like twenty five of twenty seven in the series, which is totally absurd. Um, a big layup from Greg Anthony with three ten left makes the game forty six forty one. Then Charles Smith makes it a one point game with two minutes left. Um, 
Yeah, as you yep. noted, Patrick. That finishes off a, an 8-0 run. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, again, just like, you know, game of runs. Like, they, yeah. they uh, Knicks, like, came back at the end of the second. For sure. You said, like, like you said, Patrick began the game 5-for-5. Five five. He proceeds to go 1-for-8. Um, just can't buy a bucket in the second quarter. The Knicks end the half on an 8-0 run led by Charles Smith. Bulls go scoreless in the final four minutes and 30 seconds, and we head into the half 46-45, Chicago up by one point. And um, real quick, let's talk about the uh, the Reebok halftime report, Ben. Um, yes, I was just going to say, first of all, um, I love, love the <laughs> TNT bumper music. Yeah. Reebok Halftime Report is brought to you by Reebok to remind you that on Planet Reebok, there are no rules. It's very like early 90s WWF, like intro music. It's got like the like synth, like the high energy, like synth drums, and then like this wailing electric guitar that comes in. It's like so like... Like what is like it's it's not even like you wouldn't classify it as like a genre of music other than just like high high energy like WWF intro music like it's not a song right. it's just like a like a weird a like weird like, jam boom, 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 boom. yeah <laughs> yeah it's just but it's awesome it's so, good. so good it's like so of the time so um, Ernie Johnson and, is hosting the show the halftime show and he's he's right. he has jo- joined by a special guest George Carl uh, who <laughs> is the at this point is the head coach of the Seattle supersonics they've been eliminated from the playoffs is that correct by the denver nuggets that's it Macumbo embraces the ball and the unlikely upset one of the great upsets in nba playoff history the eighth seed a team that was two games over 500 on the season the denver nuggets youngest in the nba have beaten the team with the best record in the NBA, the Seattle Supersonics. That's right. The reason why George was free to uh, join Ernie in the studio uh, that night is because uh, his team, the number one seeded Sonics, had just been knocked off by the number eight seed Denver Nuggets Mount, into Kame Matumbo. Yeah, Mount Matumbo knocks off the Seattle Supersonics. Um, I also love noting that, you know, unlike the modern TNT set, which is, of course, you know, the NBA on TNT now is this huge, humongous, successful thing that has this sleek, you know, set. I yeah, love the old massive studio. Yeah, that massive uh, jumbo screen TV, which is like so absurd and nonsensical that Kenny Smith does all this stuff in front of. But I love the old school set. The NBA, the uh, the TNT backdrop is just a, a trophy set. <laughs> I don't know if you remember yes. that. It's just it's just <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. like George Carl and Ernie Johnson's bowling trophies. Uh, yeah. Which is so yeah. Yeah, what it reminds me things? so much of like my grandparents' base, uh, my grandparents' basement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very, it's got a very like yeah dark wood yeah. Uh, basement vibe yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, just a, a simple desk, a very small desk. Like George and Ernie are very close together. Yeah, they just have a couple of a uh, couple of notepads in front of them. Yep. Ernie has like a massive binder of of like like yellow papers. <laughs> what is um, that? It's like a lawyer no or idea. something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, he's got his little pen, um, and then uh, and then yeah, their their little like Sony uh, television TV. Yeah, <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah. incredible, incredible. Uh, all right, let's head back to Madison Square Garden for the third quarter. Uh, any just uh, real quick, any more ads that uh, that jumped I, I, out? I was at just you? gonna say. I mean, if you want, we can talk about the paint stripping ad. Oh, <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the easy <laughs> that stripper? That was a good one. Um, yeah, yeah. So this was some sort of device that, like, 
it's hard to explain, but it, like it spun. It was like very, metal rods that spun around spun really quickly. Spun very rapidly, and somehow that would strip your paint. Stripping old paint a pain in the elbow? Well, now you can power off old paint, stain, varnish, even rust with Easy Stripper. It literally eats old paint. Forget messy chemicals or changing sheets of sandpaper. Easy Stripper strips window frames and powers paint off siding. It's gentle enough to remove old varnish, yet it chews up thick, scaly rust in seconds. Yes, Easy Stripper powers off old paint and rust on contact. But there's more. Here's the driver. Now you can power in any screw in seconds. Monster screws like this or tiny screws like this. Even screws above your head. Yes, when you order Easy Stripper to power off paint and rust, you also get the driver to power in any screw. Both tools for an incredible $19.95. Order now. They can strip off paint and, and rust. Without, um, like, removing, without remo- like without scratching the actual uh, surface of the object. Right, which is kind of crazy. It seems like that would really do some damage. Um, yeah. But I liked how it was in, like, classic infomercial style. Yes. If you ordered it, it, it also came with pretty much just a simple, like, screwdriver, <laughs> like, a, like a drill, I guess. But it was like, look at this drill. It can put in... <laughs> Big screws and little screws, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's that's just a drill. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's what we call a drill. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I gotta give a, a quick shout out here to Charles Barkley. Mm. Oh yeah. Who, um, I had completely forgotten. So when I think of Right Guard, Pure Power, Clear Gel, Chris, I usually think of Hulk Hogan. Um, sure. The the Hulk Hogan uh, ad campaign for Right Guard, you know, where he's like in some. Uh, I don't know, like archaeological dig or something. Um, is that what 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 Hulk's uh, right guard ads were? He would be like, let's see, painting. There's one I'm looking at here. Yeah, I guess he was usually painting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's like painting. Okay. He's painting on a beach mm. uh, in one of these, <laughs> yes. and then. But there were like a lot of them. But I guess he was like, you know, he was doing something very civilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had forgotten that Charles Barkley was also a spokesperson for Right Guard. So they have uh, this one ad that plays, I think, right after uh, halftime is over, um, where he's like an archaeologist. Yes. Uh, or, I ba- yeah, basically, like, it's he, like Indiana Jones, uh, Charles Barkley. Yeah, he's like Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones in like a tomb uh-huh. um, talking about Right Guard, Pure Power, Clear Gel, without, without any, any flaky white, white stuff that he says in like a very uh, annoyed Charles Barkley voice. Um, and then the, the classic line For when it comes to protection One shouldn't mess around uh, Which he says in a very lewd Suggestive voice mm. And then it cuts to this his like, like Archaeological assistant. Yeah his, his, his hot archaeologist babe assistant <laughs> Who like rolls her eyes like Oh, oh Charles, oh, Charles. Yeah. You naughty boy Back at Madison Square Garden um, You know the Bulls come out Get off to a hot start here Horace Grant hits a shot at the top of the half And then player that i really took note of was bj armstrong who hits a pair of jump shots at the top of the half bj plays a great game um we've talked about him in the past but i had i had kind of forgotten until being reminded this game that he was an all-star in 94 dude yeah um yeah he was named to the all-star team along with uh, pippen obviously and horace grant this game Um, he shoots nine of 12 for 21 points has six rebounds two steals and assists i mean this is a guy that's what five foot eight nine like he he no he must have been like six foot at least really but, I, I remember him yeah. being like a tiny little guy but um i mean he doesn't look like a tiny little guy oh you're um, right no he's definitely six foot two i guess it's because is he six two yeah, yeah he his nickname was the kid 
Um, he yeah, just felt he just like, looked. He, he looked just, very young, boyish. He just like looked like a little boy, basically. Yeah, extremely yeah. boyish. Yeah, ninety three, ninety four. Played all eighty two games. Averaged fourteen point eight points, three point nine assists, one steal. Um, he was a really good player. Yeah, yeah, he was. He shot forty four percent from downtown. Solid. Yep. All right. So at this point, let's see. So 10 minutes, 55 seconds left. It's a three point game. The Bulls are up by three, 50 to 47. Knicks call a timeout. Riley wants to regroup. Uh, I have here a, a note on uh, Hubie Brown talking about John Starks. Quote, he's a bandit. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Talk, talking about how it doesn't that. matter if he, if he misses, you know, 15 straight, he'll, he'll keep shooting. And um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was like just. Uh, you know starks is like defining quality it was just like how he would be so like he was like the definition of a street yep. shooter um he would go so cold for so long and just keep shooting and keep shooting and keep shooting yep. um and uh yeah of course we we mentioned that he had a, a pretty quiet first half but he came out um you know pretty aggressive in the second half he's still getting to the line a lot yep. at one point he's 28 of 31 from the line on the entire series um after hitting a couple more free throws at the start of the third quarter um and then uh he has a pretty amazing play this is like later on i guess so i don't know if we're uh we're there yet but that little like up and under off the um yeah i know like kind of like windmill up and under yeah. uh off, off the inbounds play let's come to that i that that's an incredible play um yeah so still at the top of or middle of the the third quarter so they're basically trying to get patrick involved they he, he's cold they they find mm-hmm. patrick in the paint he misses a layup Oakley snatches the offensive rebound, puts it back in with nine minutes left. Uh, it's a three-point game at that point. It's 54-51. The Bulls are up. Um, it goes the other way. The, Bull, the Knicks get a stop, and then Starks buries a three. Ties the game at 54-54. Starks baseline, so he kicks it out. Starks for three. There it is, Hubie. We talked about it. Uh, he's, uh, he's something else. He's now 7 for 22 in threes in this series. Set up beautifully by Charles Oakley, um, who basically like didn't, like made a point guard move where he like drove in and kicked out to, to Starks, like pulled the, pulled the defense in. Kicked it right out to Starks in the corner for a, for an open three. Oh, and then right after that, I think uh, Greg Anthony hits a three to put the Knicks up by one. Get it down low to you. And you're going to set the pick. Seven to two. Anthony for three. Nailed it. See, this is the part of his game which contradicts everything else. He's now six for fifteen. He's shooting about thirty-eight percent in three in this series. At that point, the crowd like explodes. The defense chant is like really ratcheting up now. Six fifty left. Um, yeah, Knicks are up by one. Yeah, you know uh, what's what funny? It? I I like found myself in my notes. I'm often like not uh, like there's not that many times where I'm like noting the score because it didn't. It wasn't actually 50, on the screen very often. Fifty seven, fifty six. You have to kind of like really grab it really quickly because then it just like disappears and you're like, wait, what's happening in the game? Yeah, I know. It's like actually kind of hard to like keep <laughs> disoriented. Like, keep. Yeah, um, like nowadays, I guess the score is just always yeah, it's on the just screen, like right? Permanently there. Yeah, but they would have it on the screen for like, like it felt like I don't know, twenty percent of the time. Like most of the time, it was like not on the screen. It's very weird. 
Um, different, different era. Different era. Do you want to talk about the Stark scoop layup? But real quick, first, so before that happens, there's the the Radio City Rockets. I love this game. Radio and City Rockets presents. I love this game. So they have like this dancer team by the Rockettes, and every move they do, they cut in um, like basically the um, you know uh, like similar move done by like either a ref or a coach or a player. Like you know they do like the the referee like hand wave and, and like you know circular arm wave motion. Um, they spin around and they show like Larry Johnson like spinning around after like a um, you know dunk or something. Um, you know all the kicking and stuff that like coaches do. It's great. It's like a wonderfully delightfully edited and um just like you know classic 90s nba content so then um oh and then just real quick (laughs) another ad that i loved was the gmc sonoma ad (laughs) where they have a pickup truck with a car another full car like a sedan like kind of just piled on top of it and then they crush the two things together in like a giant like industrial like car compactor you remember this ad yes Introducing the all-new GMC Sonoma. We packed everything we know into this one. Sonoma from GMC Truck. I was like, wait, like, it, it was so confusing because at first you're like, oh, this is going to be like an ad showing how this, like, pickup truck is so strong that, like, the compactor thing, like, can't crush it. But no, it just shows the truck and the cart getting crushed, <laughs> like, smashed together. Um, and then, like, suddenly... Like it, you know, like it's all like closed up in like a compacted box, and then like the box like opens again, and it's just a new truck, and it's like, oh, so this is your like messages like this is a truck that has like an extra car <laughs> crammed into it. Like it didn't make. I was so confused by it. Yeah, a um, lot of the advertising was like, I'm not really sure what they were going for here. Yeah, like I think they assume yeah. the premise is more clear than it is. Um, they're just like well we have this compactor we could like smash like a truck and a car dude, was, like what, together what was the ad where the car drives through the birthday cake oh my god i'm so glad i, I meant to mention that earlier this was like probably one of my top three favorite ads and it's one that i like absolutely vividly just remember, remember from childhood all the pink icing all over the windshield yeah and i was like that's gotta be so, really hard on those windshield wipers <laughs> it's an ad for the 1994 zuzu rodeo mm-hmm I don't know if Zuzu even like exists anymore. I completely forgotten about that does, name. But it is that but, was a car, yeah. Yeah, it starts out with like a middle aged man um, having like a really sad birthday party, um, and it's like all of his like you know weird older relatives like gathered around him, and they present him with a present, and his like weird like aunt type character woman is like, it's, it's a, a gut be gone. Roy just, just loves him. his. Like as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh my god, it's a gut be gone!" Like that oh, phrase for some reason right. was like stuck stuck in my head as a, as like an eleven and twelve year old. Um, Roy just loves his, and the guy's like so bummed out that he's having like this lame middle aged birthday party, and he closes his eyes and he starts imagining and daydreaming, and it cuts to a pickup truck just blasting through a massive pink birthday cake like they made a huge birthday cake out of what i have no idea but it like you know it looks like cake material um and a truck just drives through a like a garage sized pink birthday cake and it's just like fuck yes i'm gonna blast through a birthday cake in my new zuzu rodeo pickup truck Dude, am I wrong? Um, it's like, Did they not play that commercial a couple times during twice, the game? Twice, yes. Okay. At least at least twice. I yeah, to yeah, be yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's like, wow. Yeah, that thing was on heavy, I heavy like rotation in 94. I saw a pink birthday cake getting blasted by a truck during this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an image that, like, as soon as I saw it, my memory was jogged. It's like, oh, my God, of course, the birthday cake. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. So good. All right, let's talk about um, this, this Stark's layup. So, Oakley's inbound yep. in the ball. Drops it in the Starks, um, who just makes this wild circus shot, like under the basket, scoop. you know, yep. jump, jumps up on one side, floats through the air, does like a little windmill scoop, um, and I believe it's Cartwright that fouls him, is that right? It's either Cartwright, Cartwright or Longley, yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the bigs on uh, Chicago um, that he squeaks it by, yeah, and then like flips it up off the other side uh, under the rim. No, dude, it's funny, you talk um, about like iconic moments that you forgot were part of this game or didn't realize were part of this game one of those moments for me here with starks was when he's high-fiving the fans in the front row uh to celebrate the getting the foul do you remember what i'm talking about after he hits the shot everyone goes mm-hmm. nuts. Hey, here we go i got yeah, it everyone goes yeah. nuts oh yeah he's high five he's doing like low fives yeah. oh yeah i love that and i definitely have seen it was probably that. i've definitely Spike seen Lee him he... do that in commercials for like like nick's advertisements like they took that moment yeah and i was like oh my god that's that's the moment from like all those commercials oh, and, yeah, and photos that yeah. i've seen before yeah, yeah. um just it's true that's a very iconic thing ewing of course like did that a lot mm-hmm. um yeah, I feel like Mason did it, but yeah, like high, like actual high fiving a fan. I guess players like still do that, but it feels but like, like celebrating it's, it's a, ba- kind of a thing. He was like celebrating a basket with a fan. Right, right, yeah, yeah, which is pretty crazy. I don't know if they do that much anymore. Right. Like it seems, it's certainly um, discouraged the the fan player interactions like in the game. Um, right, for right. obvious reasons, you know, like between the fighting and like the you know heckling and stuff, whatever. But yeah, anyways, yeah. it did feel like a momentum kind of driver. Uh, you know, so Starks avoids Luke Longley, electrifies the crowd. Now the lead is three points. Um, it's 540 left in the third. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he's high five. There's a couple of great plays by uh, by Greg Anthony just after that Starks That's right. uh, shot where he does like a sweet little shake and then a, a dish to Oakley for an open jumper. And then he fakes a three and drives in for like this running foul line jumper. And, right. and really reminded me like Greg Anthony, like he was so frustrating because I mean, he was kind of like the prototypical like nineties Knicks point guard um, right. where, where like they show flashes of like brilliance and you're like, Oh, you could be like a, you know, a top 10 point guard in the league potentially, but then they would just be like inconsistent. Like, yeah. like there were plays when like, like stretches where like Chris Childs would look say. like, yeah. uh, like an all-star or like Charlie Ward would look incredible. Um, or like, uh, you know, like Derek Harper would have like some awesome game and you'd be like, um, but Greg Anthony did the same thing where like for stretches, you'd be like, wow, this guy is so talented. Like he's got like, you know, great, like shake off the dribble. Yeah. I mean, he was always like a pretty terrible three point shooter, which was like kind of a, his kryptonite, I guess. But, um, no, you're right. Man. But obviously like, he, he was like he did, really known for his defense. Um, he did but had like set the, the mold. It seems like for like what the expectations were for Nick point guards, which was like, be brilliant but uh, inconsistent. So just like every now yeah. and then be brilliant and then other times just sort of be disappointing. Yeah. Uh, a little under four minutes to go in the third here. Oh, I have like a, a holy shit moment. Uh, Anthony Mason on the fast break. Oakley tips it away. Here comes Mason. All the way to the hole. The finger roll. Well, he can dribble. No doubt about that. He's a big man at six foot eight. 
Mason does a one-man fast break, dribbles around Scottie Pippen, who's a first-team all-defense yep. defender, um, and then around Grant and, like, lays in this, like, finger-roll layup, um, you know, just, like, dribbling through, like, you know, the entire defense, one-man fast break. Again, just, like, something that a 6'8", 250-pound power forward should, should not, not be able to be do. Able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really incredible. Yeah. Uh, all right, more more stuff from my notes. I have BJ Armstrong just having an incredible game. Um, four for mm-hmm, four in mm-hmm. the third, 17 points in the game at this point. Now with 2.30 left, it's a 69-67 game. Um, Starks has 11 points in the third quarter on four or five shooting. And mm-hmm. we head into the fourth, 73-71, the Knicks lead going into the fourth quarter. Yes, 73-71 Knicks after three. Um, and then we have, Chris. Let's talk about it. The proud to be your bud commercial. Let's talk about it. This is a commercial, again, for Budweiser beer, um, and it's kind of like a um, like a yin and yang type scenario where they show guys playing basketball, but not just um, one scene. There's two scenes, so they have, like, it's like the night and day kind of a thing. So the first half of the commercial is like a, like a white man can't jump type, uh, you know, inner city street ball game mm-hmm. um with guys you know in shorts and tank tops of different neon colors and bandanas um, and wearing bandanas. oh and bandanas yeah yeah um you know going up uh you know doing dunks and stuff uh, obviously a a mixed race group of uh men playing <laughs> basketball uh in the in the city uh city courts yeah and then there's a little like interlude with like horses running through a desert and like shots of Budweiser beer and then they cut to a, a group of cowboys and how do you know they're cowboys Chris uh, cowboy hats cowboy boots denim classic <laughs> cowboy stuff yeah very very clear cowboy uniforms hats full denim jeans uh flannel shirts denim shirts I think on some of these men mm. Um, cowboy boots playing in dirt, it playing in very very dusty dirt yeah. that flies up into the air as soon is, as. Don't they have a hoop on the back of the barn? Aren't they playing? Yes, a barn the hoop door? is obviously on the back of a barn door. Yeah. Um, there is no uh, pavement Classic or asphalt. It's just cowboy. It's just stuff. dirt, so that when they when they dribble, dirt flies into the air. That's right. Um, and reminder, they are playing in full jeans, flannel shirts. <laughs> it's like a tumbleweed uh, that like long, blows by. Yeah, long sleeve flannel shirts and cowboy hats. Just so much dust and denim and flannel. Um, the ideal conditions for playing three-on-three basketball, if you ask me. And then um, the commercial finishes with them enjoying a couple beers basically at like a saloon. Um, sure. With like some of their maids and, you know, maidens and... and, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, just classic cowboy stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, really cool. So, you know, whether you're, um, you know, an inner city hooper or you're just a country cowboy 
playing on the back of a barn. Either way, um, you drink basketball Budweiser. is universal, and Budweiser is universal. Yes, yeah. I actually want to talk about Ben the commercial that comes after this. Um, for are you talking about Armorall? No, I'm talking about, or, or, or I guess it comes. It's the one after Armorall. Excuse me, I was talking about. Um, well, do you want to talk about Armorall? No, not really. I I had it briefly noted. Uh, Armorall tire foam. Believe in reincarnation. Incredible. <laughs> um, so that's you know self-explanatory. Yeah. No, I was gonna I was gonna bring up the commercial that comes. Not after Armor All, but which is Dutch Boy, but the one after Dutch Boy, which is Logo Athletic. Yeah, the Chris Weber Weber Logo Athletic commercial. So sick. So sick. A lot of people ask me what the LA stands for. Low altitude? I don't think so. Laid back attitude? No way. Los Angeles? Man, get real. Logo Athletic, official NBA licensed product. Hmm. So good, man. So good. Yeah. Dude, Weber was such, like, young Weber was such a freak. So fucking cool. I forget what podcast episode it was, but we talked about how we would really like to have a deep dive on this guy's career. And just, like, his... The early part of his career, like from Michigan to him, like coming into the league is just so fascinating to me. And uh, yeah, man, he was a beast. He was a beast. And just seeing him in this commercial just like put a big smile on my face. Yeah, he was a beast. And he was just like one of those like, I mean, right up there with Sean Kemp, just like coolest players in the league. Like the way he dunked, the way he blocked shots was just so cool. Like he would like kind of like flail his legs and just he was just so like animated and like um you know like uh also very much like larry johnson where you're just like oh man this guy's fucking cool like you've talked about this i just you've talked about this on other episodes but he weber had great dunk legs which i know is something fantastic dunk legs is something that you kind of you know you're stickler about um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah man what he was just like such a smooth player such a smooth player and put a big smile on my face to see that and those those hats were also so dope such a staple of the 90s with like so these are if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about these are the the hats that had the like kind of um like wave um yeah it was kind of like a little like wave design on the front and then it would just have the team's logo um over the like kind of over the um edge of the wave uh i definitely had a knicks one i had a giants one I want to say I maybe had a New England Patriots one, wow. which is weird to say, but back in the 90s in Connecticut, you were kind of like, yeah, you could be a Patriots and right. a Giants fan because the Patriots were like so bad, terrible back right. then. Um, so it was kind of like, oh, the New England team. Yeah, I, I like them too. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, those hats were, were really sweet. All right, moving into the fourth. Um, we talked about we go. Proud, Crunch we time. talked about Proud to Be Your Bud. We've talked about the Chris Weber logo athletic commercial. Um, I have my first note, Herb Williams with a massive Kyle rejection. Williams rejected by Herb Williams, his second block of the game. Uh, Herb Williams, when he was at Indiana, he consistently averaged over 14 points a game and one of the premier shot blockers. One, you had two, to love that because throughout the, the telecast, uh, Hubie Brown kept saying how Herb Williams used to be a great shot blocker, like back in his Indiana <laughs> days. Um, and that's another like fascinating thing. I love uh, uh, like the... Um, 
I don't know, like, I feel like the Knicks had a lot of these guys, like Derek Harper and, like, Rolando Blackman um, was another one where, like, by the time they were on the Knicks in 94, they were, like, sort of at the tail end of their careers. But these were guys that had, like, awesome, awesome seasons, um, like, when they were younger on different right. teams. Like, Herb Williams was the starting center on the on the Indiana Pacers, like, before Rick Smiths got there. Oh, wow. Um, and he was, like, a kind of a beast. Yep. Like, he was, you know, by the time he was Patrick Ewing's backup, obviously, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time, and he was you know, in his early mid thirties. So he wasn't nearly as effective. Um, he was always like very, you know, kind of steady and capable and like, you know, never fucked up too much. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he had some, some pretty great years on the, uh, on the Pacers. Right. So let's see, he was, so by the time in 94, he was, he was like 30. Wow. He was like 36. No. In 94. Are you serious? Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, Wait. Yeah, he was born thirty six. So, how old was he when he was playing? Because he wow. Yeah, he entered this the league in eighty one. Um, played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and a half seasons with the Indiana Pacers. Um, and he would regularly average like eighteen, nineteen points a game. No, are you serious? You know, eight, eight, nine rebounds. Yeah, he was there starting. He was he was their starting center for the first like seven years of his wow, career. Wow, man! Um, and then um, had some had some years in in Dallas uh, in between. But by the time he got to the Knicks uh, in ninety two ninety three, that was his first year with the Knicks, and he was age thirty four at that point. Wasn't he um, on the team in two thousand that went to the finals? I swear, like he was he was on the ninety nine team. Yep, that was his final. Yeah, yeah the ninety eight ninety nine Knicks, his final year in the league. Um, age 40, New York Knicks Incredible. played six games. <laughs> he played six Incredible. games. But uh, but yeah, he was like, you know, again, the, the capable backup. Um, you know, came, came in for 10, 11 minutes a game. That was about it. So with about 10-ish minutes left in the fourth, Ewing checks back in at 940. Mm-hmm. He, he finally, yep. finally hits his trademark follow-away yeah. jumper. He immediately scores the second he gets in the game, and it's like, okay, Patrick's, Patrick's back. back. 77. It was his first bucket since the first yeah, quarter, I believe. Yeah, 77-73. The Knicks are up by four points, nine and a half minutes left. Uh, Patrick blocks, on the other end, Patrick blocks Scott Williams, 77-73. On the other end, Patrick hits that teardrop floater in the paint. Step inside, he's seventy nine mm-hmm. seventy three with about nine minutes left eight fifty five left I believe in between that we have this isn't some blazing spot on the equator it's the Dutch boy paint testing <laughs> facility <laughs> Dutch boy um yeah Dutch boy paint where they're just like blasting lights uh, at at their paint to like make sure that it can uh, withstand the heat of the sun okay. uh, really really enjoyed that so good. Yeah, Ewing uh, go, uh, hits his second shot, and then Kukoc answers with a big three. About seven minutes to go here. I have the Knicks are up by one. 79-78. Kukoc hits a dagger. His first three of the game, uh, seven minutes, 30 seconds left. And then the next thing I have marked down is Luke Longley steals the entry pass from Ewing, but Scott Williams can't convert on the offensive end. Oh, I have a commercial that I want to talk about when you're ready to discuss it. Is it for the movie Speed? Yeah, it's the Speed commercial. Yeah, the Speed TV spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, let's just have that conversation if you're ready to have it. Riz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? I mean, there were two movies that were advertised during this game. That Actually, that's not true. They, were, um, they also advertised Gettysburg, which was a TV movie. Was that the Tom Selleck Daniels. One? Was that the Tom Selleck? Uh, uh, oh, no, that was the cowboy you one. You do remember right. the there Tom other... Selleck cowboy commercial, right? Tom Selleck, yeah, Tom Selleck. It was like and, a made-for-TV and... uh, Tom Selleck cowboy. Yeah, oh, shit, what was it called? It was like the somethings. Um, yeah. But it was, it, was Tom, it was Tom Selleck and... Um, the Sackets? Was it called The Sackets? The Sackets, that sounds right, yeah. This is The Sackets. After the Civil War, Tennessee brothers Oren and Tyrell Sackett are herding cattle out west when Tell Sackett is prospecting for gold in the hills. <laughs> That's the synopsis of that movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. It was actually a 1979 uh, yeah. TV movie. I didn't realize it was that old. Um, but yeah, that's advertised on, on TNT. Um, uh, coincidentally enough, Sam Elliott was also in Gettysburg. How about that? Oh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, Gettysburg. I guess Gettysburg wasn't actually a TV movie, but it was airing on TNT. Um at the time so all right so never mind what i said but uh, anyway getting back to uh yeah speed speed um speed was one of a handful of vhs's that we had at my parents house and mm. man did you see this movie do you remember it where were you when you saw the of movie course. what do you remember about it i mean gosh i don't think i saw it in the theater but i definitely saw it on vhs at some point probably like late middle school maybe high school yeah. but um yeah fucking awesome incredible i love this movie man and i like i said we only have like a few vhs's at our house and this yeah. along with mrs doubtfire is a movie that i could probably oh, recite yeah. for you like line by line <laughs> and that's amazing there's just so Such many classic ama- 90s vhs movies yeah so many amazing moments from this movie uh anthony hopper of course takes a bus oh, yeah. by hostage. Incredible bad guy. He notices that Sandra Bullock went to the University of Arizona. The he calls her his he calls her uh remember remember he keeps talking to Keanu Reeves via radio. He's like, you tell that wildcat to to keep driving that bus, mm, whatever. And that's right. That there's that whole there's that little clue that um I forget what exactly it was, but somehow there's like a camera in the bus and that they know that Sandra Bullock, I, I, I forget, but I, I just, basically right. I just they, remember they that They somehow watch. are able to loop the video feed yes. because that's what he's watching them on. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. That was a weird little bit of, uh, you know, 90s technology trickery that you're just like, oh, sure. I guess that's how that works. I yeah. That. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, cool. Keep it moving. <laughs> such a good movie. Um, pop quiz you pop have a quiz, hair trigger aimed at your head yeah what do you do yeah. what do so you good. do yeah so good awesome. all right so uh next thing in my notes i have is that scotty pippen hasn't played in the fourth quarter of this yeah. game at this point until six minutes left what is going yeah, on six minutes and he is still on the bench i have that i yeah. have that written here with a wow next to it yeah what um, is going on yeah. man is this another finally checks in phil jackson kind of headspace move where he's trying to get in his get in his star's head finally he walks off the bench with just about six minutes left and checks in during a stoppage and play yeah. i don't know if you noticed this chris but at the very start of the fourth quarter the camera cuts to pippen on the bench and he has his he- he's like doing the move where 
his arms are crossed like on his knees and his head is just down completely down resting on his arm on his forearms Mm -hmm. and it looks like he's either like sleeping or like meditating or crying or like something where you're just like oh that's like and he was like the camera like lingers on him for like a while like a few seconds and he's just like motionless yeah um his head completely down i guess he's just like focusing Uh i don't know i don't know i didn't want to like read into it too much i know hubie and thulin said this thing at one point they're like even though scotty hasn't come in they say he says that he can stay mentally like in the game even when he's on the bench and i was like that seems like a odd cover like there's something going on. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting that he didn't check in until six minutes left. Right. But when he did check in, it was an inc- like the, the difference um, because he starts picking up Greg Anthony. He's playing defense on yeah. the Knicks point guard and it just like completely throws them off. Like they can't get anything going for like the, basically the remainder of the fourth quarter. Right. Um, the defenses on both sides are just like completely fucking locked down. Um, I just have in my notes here, everything is so fraught. Everything is like so tight. Um, yeah, the crowd chant, you know, the, doing the defense chant. Um, and yeah, it's, it's intense. Luke Longley throws an errant pass. He thinks he has Steve Kerr cutting through, mm-hmm. through the middle of the court. Oh, right the Accepts the pass, finds Ewing and transition for a massive one-hand slam. Yeah, yeah, a big old like just one-handed dunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. um, After a uh, yeah, after a great uh, steal and play by Anthony. um, That is, uh, yeah, yeah. That's like shortly after Ewing checks or uh, after Pippen checks in. Yeah. and then, and then, Chris, <laughs> there's uh, uh, shortly after about uh, 4.30 remaining in the mm-hmm. game, uh, 81.78, they cut to commercial, and there's, a, uh, <laughs> there's an ad for a spot and wash uh, from Armorall, which is like a, a car washing mm-hmm. soap. Um, but the, in the advertisement, which is from the point of view of a dog, spot the dog, um, a man is washing his car with, uh, dish soap. New spot and wash from Armor All. You'll never use dishwashing <laughs> soap again. Is that, a, was that a thing? Did people uh, do that? I'm, I am I just, yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of people who used to wash their car with dish soap, but I guess that. I didn't know that was like a big According to Armor thing All, bit. that was, uh, an inefficiency they spotted in the market. Uh, yeah, we just have way too, we have all these people washing their car with with dishwashing we detergent gave them or dish soap. soap. Yeah, yeah, car soap is better yeah. uh, for a car. Um, yeah, that was a fun ad. And then uh, let's see. So they, oh yeah, when they when they come back uh, to the broadcast following that little ad break, uh, Thulin um, re- reports a great line. I love I love Ron Thulin. Wait, is it Ron? That's his yeah, first name, right? He uh, he has so many great little tidbits of of like quotes from you know like like insider quotes from from players and coaches and stuff that he that he gathered, um, and one that he um, relays as the uh, as they come back to the game is uh, quote Pat Riley of the Knicks say uh, of the Knicks says they win ugly and they lose ugly. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, remembered hearing that, but yeah. I was like. Yep, that sounds like a that sounds like us. Pat Riley quote. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Three fifty left. Horace Grant hits a big shot over Patrick. At this point, the game is eighty-one eighty. The Knicks are winning by one point. Three minutes and fifty sec. Three minutes and fifty seconds left. 
then um, clock is ticking down and we have a big, big shot from John Starks who yeah. is coming off a curl. Here comes Starks wheeling around, left open off the screen and he buries after, it. After BJ gets completely popped on a, uh, on a, on a down screen by Ewing That's right. and just gets like taken out of the play because Ewing just like demolishes his body. That's right. So at this point it's 83-80. BJ Armstrong gets fouled, hits two foul shots. 83-82. And noted that uh, while, while BJ was at the line there for those two shots, a chant of Bulls suck uh, broke out. For the season, the Bulls 23 in the series are averaging 28, but then their free throw shooting has just been outstanding. Fantastic. Yeah, just Bulls suck uh, with two minutes, two, 2.30 left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, Knicks bring the ball oh, up. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, there's... Um, an incredible, incredible defensive sequence. You probably yeah. have this in yep. your notes where they, they draw the 24-second violation. Inside of two minutes of the ballgame. Mason cuts off Kuko. Two to shoot. Kuko. They're not going to get it off. A 24-second violation before they in New York. The guy That's after, uh, right after BJ sinks a couple of free throws. Uh, Knicks can't score. Pippen is is guarding Greg Anthony, just like totally smothering. Um, but the Knicks D is is just full ratcheted fourth quarter uh, mode, and um, yeah, they have like a, a sequence where they just you know don't allow any breathing space at all. Draw a twenty four second violation, um, and uh, yeah, they're up three with under two minutes to go. Yeah, so it's about a minute 50 left, 85-82. The Knicks are up by three. Um, and then BJ Armstrong hits a massive shot, top of the key. Uh, oh, the dagger yeah. with 44 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, 44.7 seconds left. Six to eighty-five, the Bulls are suddenly in front, um, and this is when it really gets you know ratcheted up. Yeah, that BJ shot, man. So at that point, that was his twenty-second uh, point of the game. He at that point he was shooting nine for eleven, uh, which is insane. And um, yeah, it was like a float, like a fading floating mm-hmm. jumper, like totally contested, yep. uh, like from about the foul line, uh, swishes it. And you're just like, fuck, B.J. Armstrong is so good. I don't remember how good he was, um, or I had not remembered uh, until watching this. So then on the other end, Ewan comes down, and he draws a foul oh. on Cartwright. And this is a frustration um, foul, because Cartwright actually just yeah. like throws him to the ground. He just knocks him down to the floor. Shoves, yeah. him, shoves um, him in the back, throws him right on the floor. H- Hubie says that he fouled him, quote, through anxiety, which is possible. Makes sense. It was a very yeah. anxious, anxious moment. At that point. So Ewing steps to the line now. There are, I think, about 30 seconds left in the game at that point. Maybe, yeah, maybe around there. seconds, something like that. Yeah, Knicks uh, down by one. Ewing steps to the line. 86-85, Bulls are leading by one. Patrick goes to the line. And what happens? Now, at this point, he's he's shot two of five uh, at that point. Two of of five from the free throw line, which is not great. Normally, he's a 76-77% you know, free throw shooter around there, maybe 74. Um, but he goes to the line, down one, 30 seconds left, and he misses both free throws. Yeah, the first one just clangs right off the back of the rim. I mean, it just, like, leaps out. 
And the second yeah. one bends the knees, elbows, hangs the ball, and again, just clanks off the back of the rim, just pops off. And it's like, wow. I had, okay. com- I had completely forgotten yeah. that. That was like, I was like, oh, fuck. Yep. Like, that could have been it. I mean, some some say maybe it should have been it because yep. what happens next? So there's BJ Armstrong misses a three, yep. Mason rebounds the ball. There's about 20 seconds left here, um, and the Knicks force a bad shot from the Bulls, and the Knicks get a rebound, get the rebound with seven seconds left. Um, so there was a difference in the shot clock of about seven or eight seconds, and uh, yeah, so the Knicks grab the rebound. There's seven seconds left. Yeah, 7.6. Yeah. And um, from there, we go to a commercial timeout. Uh, Mason snatches the rebound. Nick's call timeout. We go to a commercial break. And that's right. Uh, fun little Muggsy Bogues AT&T commercials. Love, love the Muggsy Bogues small business commercial. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. Wow. Yeah, really good stuff here from Muggsy. You forget that he was what a delight. he was like a kind of a commercial like sponsor like he was like a guy that people knew, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, he was famous for being tiny. Five three. Um yeah. He was so small. It's it's really Absurd. shocking <laughs> when you watch him. You know, you always remember like sure, he was small, but when you actually watch him next to NBA sized players, you're like how did he ever even play in this league? It's impossible. Um, yeah, we should probably do a deep dive on him at some point. Yeah. Um, along with uh, Chris Weber and uh, every other thing that we've mentioned. Um, and then following that, uh, Muggsy Bogue's small business commercial mm. for AT&T was the Armorall Twins commercial. Oh, sure. The low gloss so, and the high gloss. So creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, Bob and Fred yeah. are the twins. Um, hard to explain. I, I feel like these guys like looked familiar. Like, were they in a movie Dude, I maybe? I thought they had Oompa Loompa vibes. There was like the kind of yeah. the curly hair mop kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Two like sh- sort of short, rotund guys yes. with curly hair. Yeah. Um, yeah, very sort of unsettling, um, armor all commercial there. Um, and then, yeah, so then we, uh, we come back here, uh, Knicks have no timeouts remaining, so they have to get the ball in Mm. 7.6 seconds down one. And what happens next, Chris? And here comes Starks up the middle. Screen and roll with Ewing and Starks. Starks has to kick it back out. Davis for the win. So they get it to Starks, who curls to the right side of the court, kicks it back to Hubert Davis, who's at the top of the key. He clanks it. Wide open, Hubert Davis. Wide open, Hubert Davis clanks it, but it's contested very closely by Scottie Pippen. They call a foul on Scottie Pippen, and Phil Jackson is flipping out. Oh, he's flipping out. Pippen is flipping out. Jackson is flipping out. His tie is just wagging wildly in the air. Um, the, the suspenders is, on Phil Jackson are in full view. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, hands on hips so that you can see the suspenders. Uh, yeah, Pippen is sitting on the scorer's table. He is not happy. Um, I mean, let's talk about it. Was it a? This is, of course, the the very very infamous, which I had also kind of forgotten about uh, that that was in this series until I we started this this deep dive um i will say yeah like the, I, this is like one of the most infamous yeah. uh calls in nba history i forgot about this play i will say rewatching it now 
I feel like James Harden would be very proud of this play. This feels like well, that's the, that's the yeah. thing is that in 1994, this was probably controversial, not a great call yeah. because of the way they called it right. back then. Right. But today, By standard, this that's is a foul. Obviously, a foul. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically, the the way they called it back in the 90s was once the ball leaves a shooter's fingers it's pretty much you can do whatever the fuck you, you want to him. Right. Like you can trip him, you can ha- slap his hand, slap his wrist, whatever. If it's after the release of the ball, you're, it's pretty much fair game. Everything is fair game. Um, and clearly Hubert had released the ball um, before Pippen reaches him. Um, but he does make a lot of contact after the ball is in the air and uh, you know gets kind of like tangled up. So Hubert like falls to the ground um, after, uh, you know, the, the shot clangs off. So it's like a crazy, like it's yet another thing where, um, uh, you know, like the, the game almost kind of like, uh, I don't know, like presaged or, or like predicted like the evolution of the game, the way the the rules would change and stuff. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah. I don't know. Crazy moment, obviously. Yeah, crazy moment. Extremely controversial. All the, bu- Hugh, all the Bulls Hugh Hollins fans is, uh, are is the ref pointing that this as like, the- oh, we should have made the finals. We got gypped out of that game. It was a terrible call, blah, blah, blah. Hugh Hollins had it out for us. I don't right. know. I, I th- I'm, I'm fine with the call. I mean, obviously, as a Knicks fan, um, of course, I'm going to say that. But like... <laughs> yeah. Would it... Yeah, like it was close enough that it... Like, it's not a call that doesn't make sense in, like, the sort of context, like, the heat of the moment. Like, sure, like, it's it was pretty rare for a, for a ref to blow a whistle on, like, a, like a you know, a game-ending play like that. Like, they would usually swallow their whistles, like, towards the end of the game like that. Um, but it, there was definitely enough contact, and it was, like, close enough where you're like, all right, it makes sense. Yeah, also, like, like um, the Bulls got... And Hugh Hollins had, like, a, you know, repu- like, he was an awesome referee. He refereed a lot of NBA Finals games, tons of playoff games. Over the years, he had a 27-year career in the league. Um, was like pretty much otherwise like very well respected. Like there was, um, and it was just like a yeah a moment without where having he, uh, any evidence to cite. I'm fairly certain that the Bulls got their fair share fair share of calls over the course of their six NBA titles during the 90s. Yeah. So it's like yeah, if they had to trade, <laughs> they have to if they have to pick like losing this one series to the Knicks, but they still get those six other titles. You know, it's like it's a silly. It's a silly thing to even be upset about, but it was a, it was a controversial call, and uh, yeah. it was obviously a pivotal moment. And then, yeah, with two point one seconds left, the Bulls have the ball. Um, they are trailing by one. Oh, we should note that uh, young Hubert Davis stepped to the line and calmly yes. swishes both free throws. Yes, I forget that we didn't even uh, yeah. <laughs> mention that. <laughs> <laughs> that that was important. Knicks are still down by one. Hubert Davis, who this is now his, uh, I believe, his second year in the league at this point. Um, and he just completely swishes both free throws, just yep. like ice water in his veins. Yeah, I think this was like at the height of my belief that he was like the next great Nick point guard. I know. I was just going to yeah. say this must have really, like, really pleased with uh, that part of me. It, yeah. yeah, as as uh, as 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 the father of Hubert Davis, you must <laughs> have been really really proud to see your boy, the original Hubert Davis, stand for sure. And then yeah, um, yeah. you mentioned uh, last night you were saying to me that the uh, that Rom Thulin. So it's interesting in the stream that we were watching, they they for some reason managed to cut out a like the last free throw, and you were able- yeah, it was weird. So 
in the in the stream in the the uh, you know posting by this account pick and roll uk um which again has had the entire game with all of the commercials included but weirdly um at the very end hubert davis uh, makes the first free throw and then it cuts out to what you would think is a commercial and then when it just doesn't have any commercials and it cuts back to um nicks up by one so they somehow for some reason they edited out the commercial break and hubert davis's second free throw um very odd and curious uh, but luckily, there are other uh, YouTube videos where you can see the full unedited um, end of the game, um, both from the TNT broadcast. And then there's also, did you see the thing, the last thing that I sent you last night, Chris? Yes. Um, which was the MSG, like the final um, like 20 or so minutes of the MSG broadcast, which is kind of crazy because if a game was broadcast on tnt i didn't think it would also be able to be shown on msg legally they were allowed to have it broadcast in two different places yeah um but somehow that existed too with uh, with uh, marv albert and the great uh john andres on Mm. the on the call um and um yeah so i of course had to watch both (laughs) both versions um and it was crazy like the different like little you know like the way you know you sort of consume a basketball game is so like fr- like framed um yeah. by the commentators by the announcers um yeah. uh marv albert uh man i love him so much at one point in the msg uh broadcast um he notes um uh that there was a, a chant of sit down scotty right before the final bulls play <laughs> Um, and, uh, Marv, Marv, uh, remarks, well, Scotty Pippen, I'm assuming we'll play the final 2.1 here. Oh my God. Uh, a- after, <laughs> I love it. The, the sarcasm was just dripping. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was following, following Hubert Davis's free throws. Um, oh, but yeah, Ron Thulin, uh, back in the TNT broadcast, uh, remarked, uh, he made a couple of great remarks. One of which was that, um, Hubert Davis had celebrated his birthday the pre the, just the day before, mm. um, which was just a little amazing tidbit that he like snuck in like right before uh, Hubert's second free throw. The um, boy. And then he also another uh, uh, trademark Thulin uh, quote. Pat Riley says this young man has emotional stability. <laughs> so good. Just uh, seems like a bit of a, a shot, perhaps at at certain other Knicks players. Next shooting guards, you could even say that uh, maybe do not have as much emotional stability, stability. but uh, yeah, so stability. So but yeah, Hubert exhibited just that as he stepped the line, calmly swished both, and um, yeah, and then the final, final play of the game, unlike game three, the Bulls cannot get it in yep. to uh, to either Pippen or Kukoc. Yep. Mason breaks P- up Pippen the is pass down low. Here's the win yeah this game over next win series lead three games to two yeah and the uh budweiser player of the game is hubert, hubert davis <laughs> <laughs> what do you have <laughs> who i think it played like like yeah he had six points like probably played like you know eight minutes total in the game <laughs> but uh, sense. hey when you when you switch to air uh two two game winners um, yeah man pretty awesome uh so yeah obviously controversial ending um m- much like uh you know so many others in the series but um yeah um pretty pretty incredible stuff 
All right, man. I think we should wrap it up here. We've been talking for a while. I know we both have uh, <laughs> yeah, lives to, to get back to. We're a solid two hours here. So what happens um, What happens from here? Are we going game seven? It feels like the natural progression of things, right? I mean, we've gone one, three, five. I think we're going to seven, I think yeah. we, I think we got to finish it up with seven. Um, we could watch game six, but I uh, I just remember, Chris, that game six is the game where uh, Scottie Pippen dunked on Patrick Ewing, so I would rather not watch I that think game. We can just um, skip ahead to game seven. Yeah, game six was a, uh, I believe, the, you know, the Bulls back in Chicago. They win that one by like 14, I believe. Yeah, yeah 14 point win in Chicago. Um, so no, no need no to revisit that one, but we will. <laughs> We will return yeah. for the deciding game seven. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, yeah. man. This has been we'll have to see what happens. awesome as always. Thanks for talking. And uh, stay safe. Stay inside. Stay sane. Send my love to Kate and Teo and the whole family. And uh, I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right, Chris. A pleasure as always. Thank you once Thanks, again for, uh, for giving me the sanity to carry on. <laughs> right. I'll talk to you in a bit. All right. Later. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at us at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Email us any of your pressing, burning NBA-related uh, questions about the Knicks, the Bulls, anything at all, to OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Check out previous episodes on our website, OnTheLinePodcast.com. Hop into a deep dive, a draft, all that stuff that's up there. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever the hell you get podcasts. Have a great week. Please stay sane, stay safe, stay inside, and we will talk to you next week.